Hello, I'm James Schofield, the writer of the stories in season two of this podcast, Behind the Bottom Line. Can I ask you a question? What do you really know about the people you work with? What I've learned is that everybody has an unusual story to tell about themselves. These stories might be funny, sad, or frankly weird. And over the years, I've turned these people and events into short stories for various magazines. In each episode of Behind the Bottom Line, I read you my original story, and afterwards, I tell you something about its real-life background. Today's story is called Steam Solutions, and while you're listening, ask yourself, might this world be a bit better than the one we actually live in? Steam Solutions That, said Ernest, as he and Millie stood on the escalator on their way up to the roof to catch their sky bus, was fantastic. Told you so, said Millie. I knew you'd like it. She smiled, her face a light green because of the phosphorus in the wall lighting. They reached the roof and slowly walked arm in arm across to the sky bus stop. Millie could see the bus floating slowly through the night air towards Leicester Square from Hyde Park Corner. She hoped it wasn't too full. They had to stand shoulder to shoulder with other passengers all the way back to Queen's Park. It might spoil the atmosphere. Well, you were right, said Ernest. I mean, you can't take science fiction video films seriously, but it was really good fun. Would you like some winkles? I think I would. Several winkle sellers were going up and down the sky bus queues, carrying steamers on their backs, their trays full of the shiny black sea snails. Ernest bought two small bags and a bottle of cola for each of them. For a while they were silent as they sucked the flesh out of the shells. Yummy, said Millie finally, licking some of the juice off her fingers. Did you like Gilda Buck? She looks really good still, don't you think? Ernest thought it was probably unwise to say what he really thought of the actress on a first date, so he kept his answer neutral. She's okay. How old is she now? About thirty? Oh, at least forty. I saw an interview with her on a televidy last week. I thought she seemed a bit old for Sam Tishaw. He's lovely. He was in that vidy with... Ernest only half listened as Millie listed everything she'd seen Tishaw in, and he allowed his eyes to wander as their sky bus approached. Final puff of steam from the engine brought us alongside their building, and people began to board. Shall we go up on the observation deck? he asked. It's a beautiful night. My treat. Are you sure? asked Millie excitedly. She'd only been on the observation deck of a sky bus once before with her grandparents when she was a little girl. It's terribly expensive. Come on, Ernest said. He bought the tickets from the conductor and they climbed the stairs to the glass cabin at the top of the sky bus. There were a few other couples like them standing by the windows and looking at the view. The dome of St Paul's Cathedral shone in the moonlight and further east they could see Tower Bridge and the Tower of London, far larger than the buildings surrounding them. They used the sky bus telescope to look south to the sea and to watch the ships steaming between Dover and Calais 
while to the north the air was filled with sky buses criss-crossing the country with people or goods. It was very beautiful and very quiet. You know, said Ernest, it would be fantastic to have one of those little oilmobiles like they did in the video film, just for yourself. You could go outside, get into your oilmobile and go wherever you wanted. Yes, but the hero wasn't ever able to do that, was he? answered Millie. Every time he went to work in his oilmobile, about a million other people all did the same thing. True. I have to say that the focus on oil was frightening. I mean, everybody just destroying the environment, just to get more and more of it. I thought that was a bit unrealistic. They'd have switched to steam power, surely. I mean, you can use any fuel to make steam, you don't need oil. No government would be stupid enough to be so dependent on just one resource. Well, that's video films for you, said Ernest. My guess is the director wanted a reason for everybody to go to war at the end, and fighting over oil seemed the most plausible. He smiled suddenly. Those scenes in the offices were funny, Millie laughed. They were, weren't they? Nothing like where we work. Everybody sitting in front of those video viewers with those funny little typewriters and sending each other messages. What did they call those machines again? Computators. That's it. But you know what I found really sad? It was when he was supposed to be meeting her in the park and, and, and because they were both following directions on their hand computators, they walked straight past each other. Wasn't that what the whole VD film was all about? Ernest asked, about not connecting with people properly. I mean, there was that other scene with a with a whole crowd of people on a train and all of them were just looking at their hand computators. Mm, they were really controlled by those things, weren't they? Millie added. People didn't seem to have a life of their own without them. Next stop, Queen's Park! The conductor called up the stairs. They froze. The journey had gone so quickly and neither wanted it to end. But she was supposed to get off now while he was continuing on to Wembley. Both tried to think of something to say. Millie, he began. Yes? she asked, hopefully. Uh, nothing. Well, it was, a, it was a lovely evening. Yes. They went silently down the stairs. I wish, thought Ernest despairingly, I had a hand computator right now so I could pretend to be doing something important and wouldn't feel like such an idiot. Uh, oh, said Millie, as the sky bus stopped, and she stepped out onto the roof of the building. Yes? I uh, I just remembered. Um, I, 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 have a, I have a problem with my boiler uh, in my flat. Could you have a look at it? Her face went pink. How could she have said something so transparent? She'd been able to fix boilers since kindergarten. Everybody could. Steam pressure problem? Uh, yes, Ernest smiled. I'd love to. Steam Solutions was written for Business Spotlight in 2013. And I wanted to try out writing something in the steampunk genre, which steampunk is science fiction, which imagines a world where um, steam everything is run by steam power. 
Um, and I also wanted to try my hand at doing uh, a romantic comedy. So I freely admit uh, Steam Solutions is actually quite a sentimental story. And I suppose in my head it was very much a kind of film, uh, probably a black and white film, uh, probably with Celia Johnson in it um, and Trevor Howard, something like that. So it's it's kind of fairly, uh, yeah, as I said, it's it's a fairly sentimental but not a, a tragic love story. It's more of a romantic um, and hopefully funny love story. There's also quite a lot of nostalgia in this story, which I suppose makes sense. And it kind of shows a London which I would like to have existed. Um, and elements of it maybe did exist when I was little or when I was growing up or in the films that I watched when I was uh, little. But um, to be honest, it probably was never really like that at all. There are certain things in it uh, which did exist, however, though, for example, uh, Winkles, Winkles, these little shellfish. And I can still remember uh, at Cambridge Circus, just near Leicester Square in the centre of London, um, and going with my parents to see some film at Leicester Square, uh, and then afterwards, uh, for some reason, walking up via Cambridge Circus uh, towards Shaftesbury Avenue, and uh, somebody selling these winkles. And th these, of course, have disappeared now. Um, so I like to imagine what it would be like if... if they hadn't disappeared. I think at that, ta at that time when I saw it, those, uh, this Winkle Cell in Cambridge Circus was probably the last one uh, in London. But I kind of like to imagine what it would be like if uh, if they were as common as, as, as McDonald's are or Starbucks nowadays. You can also see um, nostalgia in the names that I chose. Um, Ernest and Millie, short for Millicent, as the names that you, you rarely see anywhere today. Um, and uh, I thought it would be nice if actually those names were a bit more common. What I also wanted to do was to remember a little bit about what it's like going on a date um, and how careful you have to be, for example, um, as, a, as a man about giving, if you want your date to go well, um, how careful you have to be about giving your opinion too strongly on anything that's much better to save your opinions for yourself uh, and listen to the opinions of your date. It's also my experience that it was advisable not to be too enthusiastic about any actress that you had just seen in a particular film or a particular show. Um, and it was wiser to keep your opinion to yourself about what they looked like, how old they were, or how good they were on the screen. What you can also see in the story is my dislike of cars. I've only ever had one car in my life, um, and I did actually quite a lot. Did, I did actually do quite a lot in that car, um, but I don't really like them. Um, I think they're a, a, an appalling waste of resources just in their manufacturing, and I think they are horrendous for the planet. And imagining a world without cars, it's one of the things which uh, I find very easy to do uh, for some reason a lot of people don't seem to be able to manage it at all but i think it would be actually really quite uh, it would really be a much better world if we didn't have cars if we weren't also dependent on them i was also interested in imagining a, a, a very different kind of office world there is something really bizarre about uh, a lot of the offices that 
particularly of course white collar workers working um, where we all sit at desks behind a computer screen sometimes not looking right not looking left the entire day long um, and even sending messages to somebody who's just sitting directly across rather than talking to them and uh, this always strikes me as something that's a little bit bizarre I suppose this is because a lot of my work involves actually running workshops and being with groups of people um, and I've always found the idea of spending a whole day stuck behind a computer screen to be really really depressing. I'm also very doubtful about the benefits of everybody having their own mobile phone um, which they carry with them um, like a security blanket and refer to constantly and cannot step outside the house uh, without having it in their hands and I also admit that I um, tend to uh, I'm, I tend to do that as well and I um, consciously have to try to sometimes separate myself uh, from my mobile phone I, f I think when we when you sit on a train or a bus and you see everybody around you buried in the mobile phone and there's no interaction at all that's kind of depressing uh, you might say well okay in the past people had newspapers and books but somehow there was more of a feeling of um, companionship uh, for example with newspapers because you would be reading the same newspapers or with um, uh, if not the same newspaper the topics the headlines and whatever would be more or less the same so you weren't somehow quite so separated from each other because of course on a mobile phone uh, there's any one of a million things that people can be doing one of the saddest things that I've ever seen was in Venice and it was in a restaurant uh, and there was a couple, young couple, um, and instead of talking to each other or looking into each other's eyes or holding each other's hands or whatever, uh, they were just looking at their mobile phones. And I suppose it particularly struck me in that context because Venice is the city that you most associate with starting a romantic relationship, and it seemed very, very sad. And lastly, what I also wanted to try to get across was the awkwardness of a first date and how you're never quite sure whether it's going well and somehow the time seems to be slipping away and you're not quite sure whether you've made any progress or whether you haven't made any progress and then you try to think of ways in order to extend it um, and Ernest is desperately wishing that he had a hand computator or a mobile phone so that he could look like he was important and had something important to do um, and Millie is thinking what pathetic excuse can I come up with in order to invite him around to my flat um, but happily she being a clever girl comes up with something uh, and I hope for them that it all ends happily ever after I hope you enjoyed this episode of Behind the Bottom Line. I'll be back next week with a story called Castles in the Air, which follows the adventures of two con men, Jim and Horst. And if you want to hear me trying to do a Texan accent, make sure you listen in. Please subscribe on Spotify, Apple or Google Podcast or whichever app you use to make sure you never miss an episode. And tell your friends, write me an online review or write to me directly at james.rupert.scofield at gmail.com to let me know what you think. Until the next episode of Behind the Bottom Line, this is James Schofield saying goodbye.